Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a Black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Grand Rising, Kings and Queens, Grand Rising. This week, we will be discussing the defection of Christian Wakeford, the Conservative Party MP, who crossed the floor and joined Labour last week. Such we will big. then be also discussing the latest scandal. Well, another scandal. I was going to say yeah. latest. Another scandal, latest. potential scandal in the Conservative Party where we have an MP who said that she was sacked from her ministerial position because she was a Muslim. And lastly, we will be going across the pond to Barbados. I said already, I think three times or four times today, we have more people, more employees on the payroll now than before the pandemic began. So Keir Starmer was grinning like a Cheshire cat at Prime Minister's questions last week. He was uh, up in his, in his bag again for the second week in a row because government just keeps scoring own goals and he was clearly taking advantage of it. So all six questions were devoted to Partygate for the second week in a row. Um, <sighs> I'll move, I will come back to that. However, yes, mm. he, he did pepper Johnson again and kept asking him, is it the time now for you to resign? And, you know, question, permutations and combinations basically of the same question. To which Boris Johnson was visibly annoyed. It's always funny watching Johnson get annoyed in PMQs because he, Johnson has, um, he's got like, he's got three modes. He's got clown mode. He's got mm. repeat, repeat the same line that I've been repeating for the past year on COVID. And mm-hmm. then he's got clearly annoyed mode. And but I think, he, but repetitive messaging does work. Of course it works because you've got everybody mm. saying he got Brexit done. And mm-hmm. um, and Brexit is nowhere near done. But the reason people, the people who have been backing him, you know, you know, when they interview random members of the public, the ones who support him, they'll say, "Well, I think we should give him another chance." You know, he's got Brexit done. It's like got Brexit. Done. It's like where are you getting that from? Where they getting it from? Getting it straight from his mouth because you can he see says the queue at Dover week. from he space every single week. We've got Brexit done, and we've we've managed COVID. So you're right. Repeat messaging is. 100% works. Mm-hmm. Uh, build, build, Trying build, his best unprecedented pandemic. Build Back a wall. Home. Make America great again. Get mm-hmm. Brexit done. It's build simple, back better. Simple three. Leveling up. Leveling. Yeah, it works. It works. So can't knock it in terms of the effect. Anyway, yes. However, I did say before, so we did reference Christian Wakeford. Um, we didn't reference Christian Wakeford. Yes, Christian Wakeford. Christian Wakeford, the MP for Bury South, has now crossed the floor. So he crossed the floor, a very dramatic start to Prime Minister's questions, where he was a Conservative MP, and he crossed the floor over to the Labour benches, signing, uh, giving, giving direct, showing that he had defected. So he's now a Labour MP, taking the Labour whip now, uh, to which Keir Starmer was very gleeful uh, about it. And it's interesting. What I found, the other interesting thing I found about Prime Minister's questions this week was it got very personal. And I, I think it's, a, I mean, I think the horse has already bolted, but I think it's a dangerous. I don't like that direction of British politics where it becomes more about the, the person in charge as opposed to the party. I think, I think yeah. our party system is superior. Yeah, I think it's superior to, um, let's say, American America, where you have, you know, that's very much very much things focused around one figure. And I mean, like I said, the horse has bolted, it bolted 
at least from Tony Blair. But you saw it even more in, they, they're not usually as obvious in their own words in Parliament. So you had Keir Starmer talking about my Labour Party. Um, I mean, that might have just been a, a, an indirect uh, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> and, but then you had Boris Johnson then countering saying, Berry South will be won back under this PM. And it was won under this PM. Like, I've never really heard a Prime Minister talk I like think Jacob Rees-Mogg actually today spoke about that um, in one well, of his interviews. Like he, talk, he talked about... Uh, he talked about if the if the leader goes, there should be a general election because we're very we're, we're a much more presidential system now, and that's not true at all. And that's obviously no, I, you know because they're wanting to scare people off and say we don't want another general election, so we should keep Boris Johnson. Yeah, I don't like it because I don't like the way he was saying you know Barry South was one under this PM. You should be talking no, it should be under under this Conservative Party or under under our manifesto or our platform or the part should be no. Very South was one under the party. Now, of course, we know that most of the time when people are voting out the polls, they are not just thinking about the local MP, they're thinking about the person who leads the party. But yeah, I just don't like it. Anyway, that might be just me being a bit too uh, nasal, but whatever. So um, the other thing I wanted to mention was your boy Keir, I think he's a bit getting a bit too jokey. And I think he's not taking advantage of the situation enough. He's, like he's, I not, said fun. Start, he's not good enough to pull the jokes off either. Goals, several own goals by the government. And I think he's, I think he's, I think he's resting, and 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 he's he's taking a bit of a backseat too much. Um, it's probably classic him, you know. T- very jokey about it, you know. But the thing is, when you when you speak to people, when you hear people talking about this now, yes, there's the the hee hee ha ha. What an idiot! What an idiot! Bunch of people going to all of these parties and got got found out. But there's also a lot of sort of real anger about it. And I think he will be he will do well to channel some of that righteous indignation as opposed to just pointing out the foolishness of it, also pointing out the, the, how, much, how much it angers people. I think that would be much more relatable to people. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's it really. Uh, I mean, I just wonder what Boris Johnson is going to talk about for the next 6, 12, 18 months, assuming that he stays in power. Because he's, again, he's, he's, as I said, he's got, he's got three modes. He's got clown mode, and then he's got repeat, every, repeat all the lines mode, and then he's got clearly, visibly angry mode. And that clearly very to be angry world did come through. But what also came through was this, like I said, that middle one where he just repeats the same things about if it wasn't for us, we'd still be in the EMA and Labour would still have us in lockdown. I'm thinking, OK, no. if you survive, you, can, you can't keep talking about this in 6-12. You can't keep using the same two I mean, we're good. they're going to move on to the state. They've already started sabre rattling. The, f- the front page of the Daily Mail today was talking about that now there's a police investigation. Why are we getting distracted while Russia's moving um, troops to the border of Ukraine? So it's going to very much, very quickly pivot to um, war with Russia or should we send land troops? Even though we know we're not going to send any land troops, it's just going to be economic sanctions. And it was actually really interesting, just as an aside, everybody, just talking slightly a bit about the Baltics. Um, the US um, in their in their doing their assessment about the um, relationship with the UK with regards to the situation in Russia at the Ukraine pointed out that the um, Russian oligarch and there's so much Russian money entrenched in the London economy and specifically in the Conservative Party they have to going to figure out a way that they can work as allies of the Conservative Party to enable them to um, be any sort of resistance in bringing about any any economic sanctions that just lets you know about the nature of mm. our current government with foreign parties and with foreign money and how deeply it is entrenched within them and then you're wondering why then you know so um their policies are very much at the detriment of regular people this is why well that just an aside 
No, yeah, I, th- I think you, you make a good point about when you talk about policies, because like I said, what, assuming he doesn't, you know, assuming, assuming he doesn't step down in the next week and he does survive the next six, 12, 18 months, as I said, you know, there's, an, there's, there's so much that they can be getting on with. There's the levelling up, there's the energy crisis. Like, surely you want to be ta- using these things as talking points. You cannot keep talking about the vaccine rollout forever because people, because yeah. it's going to get to a point where people are like, okay, yeah, cool, that was great. And what Everyone's else? Who's going to have a vaccine has had their vaccine. It's, it's like, okay, on now. what else have you done? What else? What I'm else? Talking about boosters, that's done. Move on. Um, so the yeah. national insurance hike is coming, and that too. The cost, the, of cost of, the cost of living is astronomical, and it's only about to get worse. You know, those are the things that people really care about. There's um, stuff going on at the moment about bringing out a um, a food index with regard to the, the the rise in prices for the lowest costing foods for the mm. you know for the um, poorest demographic of people, and how that's where the most of the squeeze is being put. That is what people are going to be talking about, and they're wondering why you know, £4.2 billion worth of fraud has been written off by the uh, Chancellor, but it costs, you know, a ridiculous amount of money to buy a bag of rice. Mm. And you're telling us that you don't have any money and we need to pay more in national insurance, but you can write off £4.2 billion, let alone the £37 billion that was lost during COVID for all the nonsense that the government was playing about with, let alone all the VIP lanes that they were offering to their mates to give cushy contracts to for um, COVID PPE that didn't even work. This is a government that's now telling us that they don't have any money because of the pandemic. There's, that's actually, there's another resignation slash defection, which hasn't really hit the news, but that, that was at the start of this week too. Um, so mm-hmm. as you referenced there, the, 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 um, the Treasury are writing off four billion pounds in COVID fraud. Mm-hmm. And uh, you ha- so we ha- there was uh, one of the ministers who is in the House of Lords, he resigned from his post, his minister role in the Treasury because he finds it basically unconscionable that they're writing off yeah. so much money in COVID fraud. So, much money. Uh, yeah. so that was something else that happened. Another, another, another blow to the government this week. Christian Wakeford, he uh, crossed the floor this week, didn't he? What do you think about that? What does that mean? Because you've got a Labour MP, you've got a Conservative MP up until last mm-hmm. week, and now he's a Labour mm-hmm. MP. And he's voted he, in line with Conservative policies. Yeah, he was voted by his constituents as a conservative, he only won by about four. The margin was razor thin, like four hundred votes. So, what yeah. does that mean? Because we were both in that Twitter space last week with Ash mm-hmm. Sakar, Navarro Media. Um, they had that Twitter space, and they were very aghast at the fact that Labour would allow somewhere and somewhere. Michael Walker was sort of talking about well, it's a, a being a, the Labour Party or all parties in general if they want to get votes needing to be a broad church and it's like well where does ideological purity start and finish and it's like I think it's less about ideological purity and more about um we have Labour MPs who have Labour beliefs those should be the ones that should be representing the party not somebody who voted against free school meals who voted um strict for stricter um rules for asylum seekers who um has come out with anti um GRT statements as gypsy Romani and traveler community statements so are these people that we want to be accepting to within our within our party or are we making it clear that these are the sort of people that we want in our party and it's been quite clear that we're willing to accept is people who are Islamophobic into the party, people who have are transphobic within the party, people who, um, like I said, have anti-GRT views within the party, but people who are left-wing, people who are, you know, against library closures, 
um, people who think that we need to pay NHS nurses more. Those are people who are not welcome within our party. So it's just maybe seeing the alignment move and actually the um, this, this shows that the current Labour leadership is much more willing to put up with views that they deem or, and you know, um, what's the word, discriminatory views or punitive views against people that they de de deem that have no value or that they have their votes regardless. So those are the views that they're courting rather than the views of people who they feel, feel that are pointless anyway. Yeah, I've, I mean, like, has he come out and said, you know, I've had this great change of mind and I really believe in what the Labour Party is doing. I believe in X, Y and Z policy of the Labour Party. Or is no, he just I think said, he said, he said he, he, he said the Labour Party's changed and the Conservative Party's changed and that he was elected as a centrist and he's joining Labour as a centrist, I believe is what he is. No, nah, he wasn't elected as a centrist. He was elected as a Conservative. Exactly. And the Conservative Party is not there is no party, party called There is no party called Centre. No, I, I the Conservative Party is not a centrist party. Neither is Labour. And no, that's the Labour Party is, you know, the uh, Labour and Unionist Party. No, the Labour, sorry, not the Labour, I'm thinking about the Conservatives. Apologies. Yeah. So, uh, interesting one. Um, yes. I wonder so if he'll win, idea... I wonder what he'll do, what, what will happen to him in the next election, because the thing is, like that, that seat, like and that's, said, and that's so that's also what's been characterized as more as he's moving because mm. the party he feels like party gate is going to affect his votes and his majority is so small. Mm. And with the whips threatening to take away the highest, threatening him with um, removing funding from him for a local high school, which has been needed, they've been saying for the past 15 years, he has mm. felt that his political um, um, prospects are better if he crosses the floor rather than any sort of great change in heart or lack of belief or changing beliefs with regards to the Conservative Party. It's more about self-serving than, you know, serving the, the community and constituents of Bury South. Bury, not Bury. Bury South, Bury South. It's Bury, thanks, great. It's a U, so I didn't know. So moving straight on to Nusrat Ghani, the Muslim MP has come out and said that she um, was sacked from her role within the government due to her Muslimness, or that when she went to go and have a debrief with the cheap whip, Mark Spencer, who identified himself on Twitter as a person who is claimed to have given these comments, it was pointed out that other members of the party, or there had just been comments in general, that her Muslimness, her role as a Muslim MP within the government was distracting. Um, that people had an issue with her identity and also that they felt that she did not spend enough time coming out to defend the government when they were under, not under attack, but when issues um, of their Islamophobia have been raised. As we know, this is not the first time that it has been brought up um, about the Islamophobia in the um, Conservative Party. Saida Wasi has gone on the record a number of times and spoken about Islamophobia since before Boris Johnson was elected. It's also known that the Prime Minister himself has made a number of Islamophobic comments that are well recorded. So this is just sort of something that's in a long line of, of issues that are known about the party. Um, this comes um, at the same time as there's been a lot of um, furore about the role of the chief whips, the role of the whipping, the, the whipping that has been going on 
within the Conservative Party. Christian Wakeford talked about it. He's the MP that recently crossed the floor. William Ragg had talked about it in um, government committee as well and talked about, he's also gone to the press and spoken about what they would consider almost blackmail in the way that they have been operating um, the whips in terms of trying to get them not just to whip um, and vote in line with government policy in parliament, but in getting them to come out in support of the prime minister, which is not really the role of the whips. So um, yes, Nusrat has gone out and said that she um, felt that she was being targeted with regards to her identity. And then when she also brought this up with the prime minister, he said that there was nothing that he could do about it. And if there was the only way that anything could be done about it was if she um, decided to make a formal complaint to the um, conservative office. However, she decided not to make a complaint because this was a government issue, not a party issue, which makes sense. Obviously now that this has been in the press, um, there is now going to be an investigation which Boris has spoken about very, very briefly the other day to the BBC. Um, I mean, it's not really surprising, to be honest. I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody is surprised. I think Islamophobia has been um, within the Conservative Party, but within both parties has been widely brushed under the carpet. Nobody seemed really interested in talking about it in the last election. And I think there's a clip going around um, of Kay Burley actually quite pointedly saying when a Muslim um, activist was talking about um, the Islamophobia, the transphobia, the homophobia, from the Conservative Party and also specifically from Boris Johnson, um, it was quite pointed out that Kay Burley said, um, well, at least he's not anti-Semitic. So it's obvious that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's obvious that it's been quite clear that, Send me that. other forms- I've not seen that. Send me that. Yeah, wow. other form, any forms of ism or phobia, wow. any sort of, sort of um, uh, anti-racism is, considered um irrelevant or islamophobia just doesn't is not it's, i suppose there's a, a hierarchy of ism or there's a hierarchy of what the press can decide to, to care about depending on what's going on at the moment obviously now that there's quite a concerted concerted effort to get boris johnson out of um parliament and out of office all of a sudden everybody suddenly cares about um islamophobia and it was really interesting because i was uh, listening to the new state statesman and one of the journalists on there talked about how somebody had come had come, um, spoken to her off the record about islamophobia in the party almost two years ago and she said well you know it was off the record so i didn't really talk about it and i didn't really say anything about it and you know as a journalist it's really you're really um it's really important because you want to be able to protect your sources because there has been a lot of pushback um, online from people from and specifically from Muslims saying this is not a new thing why is there all of a sudden this great um, is everybody in the press up in arms everybody in the media up in arms about Islamophobia but this is something that we have been talking about for a long time and now that this is only politically expedient to you know um, liberal politics or the, li the li liberal sensibilities with regards to Boris Johnson now everybody cares about it so a lot of um journalists have been seen to be sort of covering their backs well you know well we weren't really sure what we should do about it. you know you knew what to do about it you just didn't care because that was not part of your agenda in that moment that was not what was considered important that was not what your editors considered important that was not what the, your owners considered important now that you Boris Johnson is no longer in favor now look he's no longer politically useful to you all of a sudden you care about Islamia it's just Islamophobia and it's kind of like so transparent and very very boring because this idea that you care about islamophobia when the current 
prime minister has um, from his own mouth called black people pickaninnies and said that Muslim women look like letterboxes and that, um, you know, this sort of person is somebody that is, um, was well known to have these sort of views, was voted into parliament without, with barely any scrutiny, who was allowed to go and hide in a fridge um, when he was trying to avoid reporters and that received barely any scrutiny um, other than, you know, a, a few ha-ha's on, you know, BBC 6pm. This is, it's laughable. Absolutely. I mean, this happened in 2018. It's laughable. I mean, she, um, it's, it was interesting, the quick turnaround, because he said, well, not just Johnson, generally it was said, there was, there was no inquiry launched because she hadn't made a formal complaint. But literally a day later, Johnson turns around and says, okay, I've launched an investigation because of how serious it is. Um, Dominic Raab was doing the rounds on the Sunday morning news shows at the weekend. And he was, <clears throat> I watched him being, it was interesting because he was, as you would expect, he was kind of hedging. He was saying, you know, these are allegations, uh, these are very serious. But he kept repeating that the chief whip had denied it. And obviously you're going to do that in any kind, if you're going to be, you know, sort of trying to stay neutral, you're going to give both sides, you're going to say, okay, yes, I acknowledge this person said this, but then the other person, the other parties denied it. But it, he kept going back to really forcefully, he must have said about three, at least three or four times that the chief whip, Max Menzer, he's, he's forcefully denied this. Uh, these are serious allegations, but he's forcefully denied it and called it defamatory. I found that quite interesting. Very. Because on the flip side, then you had Sajid Javid. So these these are two members. It's not like they're backbenchers. They're, they're two members of the cabinet. So usually mm -hmm. when you're in the cabinet, they're a lot more, you know, very, a lot more measured in their words. They don't, they don't really, well, they're not, you're not really allowed to have an opinion in the cabinet um, or not a public one anyway, because mm. cabinet responsibility and all of that stuff. So it was interesting seeing that from Dominic Grubb and then Sajid Javid on the day when this dropped, which I think was Friday or Saturday, Friday, he tweet, he came out quite forcefully again in the other direction. <clears throat> again, you wouldn't usually expect cabinet minister to kind of lean one way or the other, really, because of, the nature of their job he came out quite really quite strongly I mean he didn't say he believed her but he he said everything just short of that and really denounced it so I thought that was quite interesting that you had people in the cabinet who usually as I said would be quite would be would be very obviously neutral about something like this mm. um and not, not again not that they were necessarily coming down on one side or the other but they weren't exactly staying right in the middle as they usually do I suppose they're probably trying to stop it. One's trying, both are trying to stop it becoming um, a long protracted national story for the next mm -hmm. God knows how many months. In the, the either ways, you know, oh, we need to make sure that this is thoroughly investigated and do everything that we can to ensure that no other, that, you know, uh, people who are of this belief don't feel alienated from our party. Because, so, you know, that is a, uh, if they're trying to shore up their base in the long term, that is a group that they're going to want to be able to get to people who are Muslim and are striving and small business owners, big business owners, you know, those are the people that they're going to be trying to get. This especially up north. Yeah, of course, especially up north. So you're not, they're trying, I'm assuming that they're trying not to alienate those groups. And Dominic Rubb is uh, Dominic Rubb. But I suppose, you know, maybe Mark Spence is his mate and he's what also the chief. Is Dominic Rubb, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know what you mean. What does that mean? What are you saying about our deputy prime minister? 
we'll talk about it later. Um, you don't want to be got on, caught on record saying what you're doing, <laughs> Prime Minister. And also, Mark Spencer is the chief whip, so he's got, you know, dirt, to say the least, on all, if not everybody. So I'm sure everybody wants to toe the line, which is why we're in this, um, we're in this place in the first place, I believe. And um, Nusrat Ghani, she also said that she was um, told that she needed to drop the matter because if she persisted in asking and talking about it, she would be ostracized, ostracized and her career and reputation would be destroyed. So wow. these are the sort of threats allegedly, that are being... Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, this is true. This is what she quoted as saying, is quoted as saying. Okay, okay. But um, yeah, it's not what I'm quoting that she's saying. This is what she's quoted as saying. But this is also what William Ragg came and talked about. And this is what uh, mm. Wakeford spoke about with regards to them saying that... Um, if he didn't vote story. against, yeah, okay, I'm talking sorry, about Wakeford. Yeah. Well, I won't steal your story, but these are what you know. These MPs have been talking about, and also she is the uh, deputy vice chair for the 1922 committee as well. Who? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh huh. Interesting. And I, so see, is Willie. And so that. is William Rag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. William Rag. Yeah, I, not that I necessarily take what he said with a pinch of salt, but. You don't think that the whips are blackmailing people? Everybody's got agendas. They've all, of course they've got all agendas. got agendas. And, and with what William Rags came out this week, I'm like, yeah, I'm j-. not that I necessarily don't believe what he said. And we can talk about what he said in his um, in his committee this week. But yeah, everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's mm. got an agenda. Everybody's got a political agenda. Um, yes, that is so true. It's like you got to, you, anytime any, any story, anything comes out, anything regarding any party, if it's something to do with sort of internal party machinations and of course it's, I mean like, I mean even this is part of internal party machinations you've always got to ask the question who's this, this happened in 2018 and who are they who who are they who are they who are they trying to curry whose favor are they trying to curry or mm-hmm. who are they trying to take down um, I mean, and, I mean not, it's even sorry but it's even like saying well, when, when Saeed Awasi was talking about Islamophobia in the Conservative Party did we hear anything from anybody else or well, what was she about, just, you know, um, speaking to the wind? Well, what about, what's her face? Pretty Patel. Pretty Patel, um, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. No, no, she's not Muslim, I know, oh. but she, she, was, she, was, um, she was quite vocal at one point, talking about racism that she's faced inside the Conservative Party. But the Pretty Patel of today, she, I would, you're not going to hear that. For, okay, yeah, you can say, okay, she's in the government. So she's, again, she's got to, she can't have too much. Well, of she a, talks about experiencing racism. She has, well, she's been in government, but it's only ever, you know, with regards to from the leftists. There's no racism anywhere else in it. The only racism no, that exists so, so is the from past, the left in to, to Priti Patel. That's yes, so that's what I'm saying. In the past, exists, she was, she was yeah. quite vocal about what she's faced within the Conservative Party. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to hear that from her now. So, again, you got to... And, again, it's not to deny... I'm not trying to um, deny anybody's experience and stuff what's happened to them. Not, not at all. I'm just saying, you got to ask questions. You got to, you just got to do use a bit of critical thinking because at the end of the well, day, there are politicians. Expedience. Everybody's a, when it, if it's a politician, there's an agenda. Of course, doesn't mean they're lying, but there's an agenda. There's a reason why we're hearing about it now. The same way that there's a reason why we're hearing about these parties now. Why are we hearing and about it? Happened a year ago now, when people, you know, people when in the, the press knew about people, it a year ago. People in the press were in attendance. You know, like. Not to talk about, you know, the BBC political editor, but the BBC political editor absolutely knew about these parties a year ago. 
and, and wasn't even the one to break the story. So it was ITV. Or maybe it was a case of there wasn't the momentum. You know, there can be several reasons why it wasn't broken, but the fact is it wasn't broken. Um, I mean, if the, 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 the prime minister and the leading political party that's putting out draconian legislation um, or having parties themselves when draconian at the same time... Draconian legislation? Te- you sound like a backbench Tory. Well, just draconian legislation where the police are out on the street giving people for, for fines for going on two-person walks. So much so that the legislation had to be written up that people were allowed to have, um, you know, um, bubbles because people were lonely. That, Wait, that well, had to be written to up. Two-person walks? Yes, the police gave them a but, fine. There was two never women out going out, outside for a walk in the middle of winter. Yes, it was a whole story. Come on. I, so no, these I are, these are people I, that are having no, set, of... birthday parties where, the leg, where they were saying, telling people that you shouldn't blow out your candles because of COVID. <laughs> You know, these are people that are I mean, having birthday parties, giving £10,000 fines to people for having, you know, gatherings. Didn't understand that it, w- that it wasn't politically expedient. It would have been exped- expedient then as it is now. On that point, I know we weren't going to really talk about the party gate for the third week in a row. However, since you mentioned, <laughs> since you mentioned about fines, now, uh, so the Metropolitan Police have now come out and said that they will actually investigate all of these parties, alleged parties that took place in government and in government offices and Conservative Party offices last year. And the possibility now has been raised that once they've done their investigations, that they uh, quite possibly will be issuing some fixed penalty fine, fixed penalty notices, a.k.a. fines. Oh. So, yeah, I just thought uh, raise that. And honestly, if we're being honest, they probably just... Uh, one thing I want to say... Stop acting like, you know, Cressida Dick and the police are, you know, some sort of benevolent force that have come in to come and solve Partygate. They are the right hand of government. Cressida Dick what? and the police Cressida are Dick, the, the right The Metropolitan hand. Police Commissioner is totally me- independent of government. The Metropolitan Police Commissioner is the He's right totally hand of independent government. It's the right hand of the government. And the perfect way, actually, you know, is first because, again, the police were at all these parties. So they would have known that this was going on because they provide they provide protection at Downing Street. They would have been there. They would have known that a gathering was happening. One, two, them providing a fixed penalty notice means that the matter is now dealt with itself. We've paid a fine. We've moving on from it. Three, this is also delayed. Was potentially going to delay Sue Gray's um, investigation because no, apparently it isn't. because now it isn't. But delay. at first, they were delay. saying one, it was going to be delayed because now a police investigation is coming up, and then two parts of it were not going to be uh, reported because of the police investigation coming up. So again, all of this is also political machination. None of it is for the benefit of democracy, and none of it is for the benefit of us, the people. Well, I beg to differ. I think Cressida I'm sure Dick. You do. <laughs> Actually, you know, I I'm, I'm going to stop trolling. I said the Dick. That's your problem. We don't have not my here. problem. It's a, our problem. We've got a, we've got a superior police force. The Greater Manchester Police Force is far superior to Metropolitan Police, and that's that's not just me as a jingoistic Northerner saying that. That's actually you know it can be backed up. I wouldn't mind backing that I mean, up. In a, I don't fangirl for police stuff. in general, so you know. I, good for you. So you got to twist it to, to that. Any, I think this would be a good moment to move on. Mia Motley, the famed leader of Barbados, Prime Minister of Barbados, won a landslide victory. So fresh from her 
removal of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II as the Queen of Barbados and the Republic of Barbados and establishing the Republic. She went on to call a snap general election in December before she, she yes. had to. She didn't. She she actually wasn't due to call one yet. She's but she getting herself one. a mandate, baby. Okay. Well, she called. Well, she All called. Right. It, she called it. She called an election in December, and it took place last Wednesday, the nineteenth of January. And Look at uh, the efficiency! Wow. It was basically a repeat of the two thousand and eighteen election. That being a total wipeout of the opposing the opposing party, the Democratic Labour Party. Of course, Mia Motley is from the Barbados Labour Party, and of all all thirty constituencies in Barbados were won by Mia's party. Yo. Um, yeah, thirty to zero, absolute wipeout. <laughs> Same thing she did. Not even one years ago. No, nope. same thing that thing? happened in 2018. Um, Love that which for her. Let's go to Barbados. It was interesting. I need to. I need to go back. I'm way overdue a visit back. Um, oh, and I saw that the um, they they bought their youngest senator, who's 18 years old. 18. Yeah, little it's baby. 18. Yeah. Sorry, no. What's it? No. Why not? No. no. Why 18. Not? No. No for Sorry. what? 18. He'll have um. I'm sure he'll have us. He'll have his civil services, civil servants who are helping him, and he'll just be representing his. Um, um, he'll be representing his constituency. It was this an MP or a senator? Because obviously they've senator. got two houses. Senator, what, senator. So that means he was appointed because their senate, their senate is appointed. They vote mm-hmm. for their MPs, and then their upper house senate is appointed. So he was actually, he's actually got appointed some, an eighteen-year-old. Maybe he's got some gravitas. Wow, um, hmm, not sure about that one, but fair enough. You don't know what his we don't know what his um, experience is. We don't know what I mean, his brief is going to be. I think there's a reason why, um, for all the faults in the American political system, the, I think there's there's a good reason for the fact that their president has to be 35 or above. Senators, I mean, have their to be current president, their current president above. is what 70 odd years old. So I mean, please. And the ageism is aging. In Italy, uh, their president also has to be 50 and above. I'm not saying I agree with Ridiculous. that necessarily. I think that's a bit high. Ridiculous. But 18? As a senator? Uh, 72, 73, 74, 75. How old is Joe Biden going to be when his term finishes? Uh, 78, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he was like he should be at home resting. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. so He'll be uh, dying in role. Retire. So, clearly, there's... Clearly, she's got a mandate to an extent. Uh, there was there was disappointment, however, that the turnout the turnout was only forty percent. Um, so only forty percent of those eligible to to vote actually voted. Uh, so tired of voting. They been, voted two years ago. There have been some eyebrows raised uh, raised around that. Um, you know, it, for a democracy to be to to thrive, you do need. You need to have more than fifty percent of the electorate voting, so that is yeah, that but is if a shame. You, but you, as um, but can... you as a political party, can you know bring out a drive people to vote more. But at the end of the day, unless you bring in punitive, um, what's it called, punitive regulations like they do in Australia, then people are not going to vote. No, and there was there was, there was got also to work. Also, COVID. Um, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people if they're quarantining. So there was some there was some some people raised eyebrows around you know calling the election when people were quarantining or was isolating due to COVID infections. But at the end of the day, like we've had people COVID for two years. There have been yeah. multiple elections in multiple countries since then. You you can't just stop Absolutely. democracy because of COVID. Yeah. So um so so no. But but the thing is that that doesn't account for the entire sixty percent who didn't vote. So there's clearly okay. an issue there. I think with that. Um, 
do yeah, we I, have a comparison for what the turnout was in two years ago? Was it? Is it? Does it? Is it historic? Is it just generally? It's lower, but I don't know exactly what it was in 2000. Uh, it's not it wasn't yeah. two years ago. 2018 was the last election. 2018. I don't know oh, gosh, what the right, turnout yeah. was then, but it was higher. I know it was higher because this was uh, a reduced turnout. Um, okay. 30 0. I mean, yes, it says that the people clearly prefer her over Ms. De Pisa, who is the leader of the mm-hmm. Democratic Labour Party. But 30-0, it's not good for democracy. And we 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 always moan. We that's always moan. Good for, that's not good for that. No, yeah, let, me, sure? let me let me let me land. Let me land. Let me land. Land, 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 land. Pretend we're on Clubhouse. Let me land. Mm-hmm. We always or you, because I don't moan. I'm always <clears throat> the voice of reason and independence. But you always moan about the fact that the Labour Party here in the UK are so feckless and we don't have a functioning opposition, right? Et, 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 et. So so to be being consistent, you have to apply that in the same way in Barbados. Because if you have all 30 seats, it might it'd be like here having all 650 MPs in the, in the Commons being for one party. Nobody wants Absolutely. that. Nobody would want that. No, they don't. It's not good to have every single MP be from the same party because it no. stifles opposition. It stifles debate. It stifles then, uh, opposing viewpoints being, being aired and government being challenged. So what do you think is the solution for Barbados to um, ensure that they've got that the, um, the other part, that the... Uh... That the constituencies vote in the way that you think is the best. The opposition needs to do better. I don't think there's, there's well, nothing there that the gov- there's nothing yeah. that the I don't I'm not I'm not putting this at the feet of uh, Mia Motley's party at all. At the end of the day, you run to win, and she won. Yeah, the opposition the is opposition... clearly not putting through enough whatever is whatever their um their platform is. It's not garnering enough votes. The opposition are the ones who are letting the country down because yeah, um, the, for you not to get a single seat in thirty tells me That's that wild. you have you have nothing to offer anybody in the entire country so you need to the, the leader 100% needs to go probably a party needs to get wiped out too like disappear to start again start a new they one need to yeah. maybe do some canvassing doing a couple of focus groups and find out what is the people want what can you offer what are you offering that's different to what Mia's offering because this is twice in a row four yeah. years apart well three and a half years apart but also we have to th- we have to take into account that Mia is um Popular, but I mean, I do see um, Barbadians talking. No, no, pop, no politician, no politician is that great. It, it's I know, as I say, I do see Barbadians talking trash. on talking about you know being against Mia, but I think a lot of some of the stuff mm-hmm. about um, a lot of the opposition and some of the and some of the the speeches that I've seen from the opposition have not been about um, opposing Mia's policies. It's about been opposing her personal and private life. Really? Yeah, private yeah, yeah. Life. I've been talking about her being well, or speculation about her private life. You know, so they've been. You mean her sexuality? Her yeah. Are they still going on about that? That's that. That has been what I've seen with regards to opposition of Mia Motley. Not people talking about policies or being, you know, pro talking about the Queen and wanting to still be a member of the common, um, the um, monarchy and wanting the Queen to still be head of state. Clearly, that is not what the people want. So if that's not what the people want, you move on. It's like with Brexit. That's not what the people wanted. Move on. Stop talking about it. What do the people actually want that you're supposed to be offering? Or maybe you don't believe in those things. What, what the opposition to what Mia want, you as the opposition party don't believe in those things. So join her party. Well, apathy and an effective opposition are needed. Well, less, less apathy and an effective opposition. That's what Barbados needs. So anyway, Barbados has got a uh, female president a female prime minister and a female deputy prime minister. 
So good for them. Do we need to do identity politics? Is it necessary? It's not, it's not, it's not really doing identity <laughs> politics. I just think it's very nice. They all look lovely. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And an inspiration for girls everywhere. Very studied and accomplished women. Absolutely. She, me and Motley is most definitely an inspiration for young girls everywhere. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBanePod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said.